0: Off the ball. I'm bitterly disappointed. You've got to take that one on the chin. I have. Uh, I work to a high standard and I believe in, in getting to playoffs at a very minimum in this club, but the standard is going up. It's going up every single year. You see Celtic being knocked out tonight. Um, it's just the way it goes. It's, it's very difficult. You've got to take it on the chin. But ultimately, my job now is make sure we're back here. Make sure we win our league.
1: Like Lithuania, wouldn't have really been on the, the destination list, but you know we had two day breaks in between matches. So between getting our analysis done and uh, prep and training, it was nice getting out into the city. We, it's one of those places, like you said, you, you never really would have thought to come, but um, absolutely fa- uh, you know, fabulous place. The the venues, the two uh, match venues were were amazing.
2: He's mentioned that he had the link up in Pat's, and uh, I think it's the best thing for the club and college and. Sligo Town really To have young Good young players Coming up through the club And having a place For them to study The best League of Ireland Podcast in the business This is Off the Ball
3: Yes hello there You're very welcome To the latest episode Of the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast My name is Jamie Moore Thank you very much For joining us As you always do Coming up over the next hour or so, we're going to have a special from Tala Stadium as Dundalk's European dream ended. We'll hear from their head coach Vinnie Perth, first team coach John Gill and players Sean Gannon and Patrick Hubin as well as former Wexford and Galway manager and regular off-the-ball League of Art contributor Shane Keegan, who I caught up with after the game. On uh, Tuesday evening, yeah, it was Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, Tuesday evening it was, of course. Now, Wexford Youth Women out of the Women's Champions League at the group stage phase, despite winning two of their three games before they fly back from Lithuania. We speak to their manager Tom Elms. And we'll hear as well about a special testimonial game from Michael Locker-Davis, the legendary former Ireland and League of Ireland kit man who's very, very sick in hospital at the moment. So a charity game and a testimonial game in his honour coming up at Stradbrook on Sunday week. So we'll hear all about that in a little bit of detail before full interviews with people involved next week. And Sligo Rovers have given a sports scholarship to Niall Moorhan, their Ireland Under-19 international and young player who signed a contract till the end of 2021. He's going to combine a degree in business We're playing for Sligo in the League of Ireland. So he'll tell us all about that. We'll also hear the second round draw for the FAI Cup, have an update on Sean Russell's latest quest to get his money from his club Limerick, and hear about Alan Bennett's testimonial as well. So let's get the League of Ireland podcast on the road. Off the
2: Bulls League of Ireland podcast.
3: Now, only one place to start on this week's Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast, and it's with Dundalk's exit from the Europa League last night at Tallis Stadium. No wins for Dundalk in their six European matches this season. And their European dream is over for another year. I watched the action at Tala last night. Dundalk won Slovan Bratislava 3 that is a 4-1 aggregate win for the Slovakian League champions and Dundalk's European dream is over for another year. The opening goal came in the 12th minute after a devastating counter-attack Andrew their cross from the right found Rafael Rato and he headed to the net. The second was in the 33rd minute Andy Boyle's header was short for his goalkeeper Gary Rogers, and Alexander Kavrik nicked in to make it 2-0 on the night that was the half-time score. Dundalk got one back with 20 minutes remaining and a brilliant goal too. Dane Massey's good play down the left eventually found Michael Duffy who lashed his shot into the bottom corner with the help of the wet pitch. Dundalk then won and missed a penalty. Michael Duffy shot handballed in the box. Patrick Hubin's effort saved, up by the goalkeeper grief. And as Dundalk pushed, they needed three more goals. Slovan scored an injury time through substitute Eric Daniel to make it 3-1 to them on the night and 4-1 on aggregate. Dundalk's attention will quickly turn back to domestic matters, though, with a seven-point lead to defend in the league and involvement still in the FAI Cup and the League Cup on their agenda. Yeah, of course, still loads to play for for Dock with this league game against Finn Harps on Friday. The League Cup semi-final at Oriole Park against Bohemians on Monday. That seven-point lead in the league with a game in hand. And also, of course, the FAI Cup to become a tough draw. Probably the toughest draw they could have got. Bar maybe against Shamrock Rovers away to Derry City. A really, really informed Derry City with David Parkhouse up front. That is some draw for the dock to go and uh, try and, of course, continue their quest to retain... The FAI Cup Now we're going to have Lots of interviews Over the next few minutes In a few minutes We'll hear from John Gill From Sean Gannon From Patrick Huben And also from Our League of Ireland Expert Shane Keegan But first I've been Getting the reaction Of the Dundalk Head coach Vinnie Pert
0: i bitterly disappointed You've got to take That one on the chin I have uh, I work to a high standard And I believe In, in getting to Playoffs At a very minimum This club But the standard Is going up It's going up Every single year You see Celtic being Knocked out tonight um, It's just the way It goes It's, it's very difficult got to take it on the chin but ultimately my job now is make sure we're back here make sure we win our league and 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 ultimately that's all we can we can do is get back here and the more we're regularly in these situations then i'd like to think we can learn from them
3: yeah the press box here in tallah has a really good view of everything it's behind your dugout and you seemed when your team was attacking very quickly to be worried about the counter-attack i could see by your body language you were saying to your players get back and that's where a couple of goals came from and that's the danger these teams have and your team unfortunately had Lot of good attack and stuff, but that led to defensive stuff where they had space.
0: Yeah, I think defensively tonight, I don't think we were at our very, very best, particularly in the first half. Second half, then I think Sean Hall gave us that recovery pace and it made a bit of a difference, and we made that change in the, in the tie. Um, and ultimately, to me, like we have in the two ties, we've run against a very, very good goalkeeper who's made some big, big saves, um, and. Where you know we were beaten by a better side over the two legs, but we've we've met a, a top class goalkeeper, so uh, we've got to take that one on the chin. And um, but ultimately, we've got to defend a couple of situations better in the first half. And I felt we needed three tonight. I think there was goals in that team. I think there's goals in both teams. I think in one sense, there's a lot of similarities in terms of attack, attack, attack. So uh, just disappointed then that we got done and that killer one. Was the second one?
3: Yeah, we spoke yesterday about trying not to concede the first away goal, and then the second one goes in and. You know, there's still probably two thirds of the match left to play. What are you thinking at that stage? And at halftime, there was a really good stuff over the weekend about Jim Gavin and what he might have said to the Dubs footballers when they were losing at halftime in their match, and they had such a blistering second half. You guys get a goal back, and you know, if Patrick scores the
0: penalty, I suppose you never know. Yeah, who knows? If John scores the header over and over there, who knows? But I think we changed things a little bit. We went, to, we changed our shape, um, and we were just a little bit uh, just dominate the ball in midfield a little bit more. So. We ch- made some changes. We gave them a little bit more belief, and but at the same time, um, I don't think I don't think the three-one reflects the whole game. Uh, their counter attack was excellent tonight, and um, we knew that we knew that coming into the game, and and that's the difference in, of the levels. And um, I think over the two ties, we probably created the same amount of chances as them. They've taken four ultimately and we've only taken one, and that's that's what costs you at this level. How
3: hard is it to pick your team for these big games and you've got big games to come with this match on Finn Harps, you've got Bowes, you've got Derry in the cup, but like McElhenney coming off the bench, Sean Hoare coming off the bench, Dan O'Kelly didn't play, Georgia Kelly only played a few minutes and others. How hard is it to pick your team and maybe to tell the players, the good players who weren't playing, that they're not playing?
0: Yeah, listen, it's very difficult. And people will, people, like, the one thing I have to do and all the management have to do is ignore the noise from the outside. The world has got noisier and noisier now. Social media, everyone is an expert on the game. Um, you know, there's certain things that go on behind the scenes that no one will ever know in terms of fellows with niggles and different personal issues and stuff like that. I'm not saying that's the case tonight. I just mean over a season. So um, it is difficult. It is difficult. But um, to be honest with you, if we didn't have the squad the size we've had, we wouldn't be where we are today, you know, we're, we're seven points clear, with a game in hand, we're in a cup semi-final, and we're in the FEI Cup, and we've been in the Tour round Europa League. That's only because of the size of our squad. We've been decimated with injuries this year, particularly centrally, and it's taken us a while to fix that. So, um, I think the size of the squad is a benefit, and it's, it's something that, uh, you know, huge credit must go to the club, because we wouldn't be where we are today, but for it.
3: I know everybody, you know, was hoping yourself included, making the playoff, maybe making the group stages too, and the owners of the club peak peak six. The same is their deal to try and get further in Europe each year. Did they want the club to go further? Do they want the club to make Europe, you know, group stages again? Yeah, of course.
0: I mean, um, it's not, it's not, a, you know, a red line issue, or anything, anything like that. It's, it's a drive, it's a hunger, it's a, it's a passion of mine. It's theirs. It's all of, everybody that operates in the club want to be in this stage. Um, luck plays no part in it um so uh, i'm not saying anything about luck but at the same time the 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 winner of this tie had to place either ax or poulcock like, you know so it's not it's not easy it's you need to draw to go your way you need people to be playing at the highest highest level and you need big moments to go your way we the first goal goes in and it's it it looks like a clear foul and and you know little things like that again not making excuses we're beaten by the better side tonight so we take that one on the chin and uh peak 6 and, and the other owners are very, very committed to this and I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's not, it wasn't going to change on tonight's result.
3: One player was not in the squad tonight, but he was Dean Jarvis, varying reports of where he was or where he wasn't. Can you clarify, is he still with the club or what happened with
0: him? No, uh, like I, I won't clarify anything other than to say uh, we've never, ever commented on anything internal. There's internal issues go on in every club. Um, you know There seems to be a drive now for everyone on everything. Um, you know I've seen Jurgen Klopp today say um, his goalkeeper was out for a couple of weeks doesn't seem to be acceptable in Ireland to say a couple of weeks anymore. You nearly need to give the timeline so uh, we've, we've we've like any other club, we've internal issues, we've dealt with it and Dame will train with us on Thursday and it's as simple as that.
3: And lastly, League Game Friday, League Cup semi final, Monday, FAI Cup semi final against Derry to come. So uh, lots to go for your players and yourself and the fans and everybody to, to keep going with three trophies still there to go for.
0: Yeah, listen, losing tonight's a fourth world problem. We're, we're we're exactly where we want to be. Um, you know, we'll take this one'll hurt for a couple of days and just got I've always lived off the mantra tomorrow. Tomorrow is what makes me better. Um, if we'd have won tonight I wouldn't have been happy, I'd have went in tomorrow to fix things. We've yeah, lost, yeah. so I, I even more unhappy and I've got to go in tomorrow and fix things and that's what we'll do and we'll drive to be um, where we should be and where we, we want to get to. Love that video. Thanks a million All right,
3: thank you. Switch on Patrick Hoob Pat, what were your views on that game
4: tonight? Uh, a lot of positives to take from the game, um, but you know we're bitterly disappointed that you know we didn't get through because it's a target we set ourselves to give ourselves a chance to qualify for the group ch- stages. So um, there's a lot of disappointed heads in there, but there's so many positives you can take out of that tonight. Um, I thought going forward we were fantastic. I think that's the best we've been going forward in a long, long time. I'd say maybe the whole season. Um, but we got done with a few mistakes, and um, it's unlike us.
3: Yeah, when we spoke to Andy Boyle and Vinnie Pritier yesterday, they spoke about the importance of maybe not conceding an early away goal for Slovan. They managed to get two in the first kind of half an hour or so. And you're up you're the pitch looking at that. What do you think? when I mean, then you then not realise your team needs three or four goals.
4: Yeah, you know, we started so well too. Um, you know, we had them on the back foot and, um, you know, but they just caught us on the counter and... Just thinking obviously we we knew we were to go score and four to go and score four goals, but we never stopped in there. We never we kept going to the to the last minute and we created a lot of chances to score more goals tonight and obviously me missing the penalty and with eighty minutes to go anything could have happened. Um, to be honest, I thought we were the better side tonight, but sometimes the result doesn't reflect that.
3: What was said at half time given you knew you needed to get four goals? Not to stop. Stay going. Um
4: just not like, just don't give up. Just keep going to the bitter end, and um, you know, leave no stone unturned. And I think um, that's what we did do. I think you know we had them pinned back for ages, and um, so like I said, there's a lot of positives to take for that result now to go on
3: and try and win a league and to win two cups. And um, as as long as we play like that, we shouldn't be too far away so Michael Duffy gets one back and then a couple minutes later his shot hits the defender's hand the penalty's awarded you're the penalty taker you step up what are you thinking at that stage because if it goes 2-2 it makes things really interesting but fortunately he saved with his legs
4: I think going down the middle because I've done a lot of video analysis on him and um, he dives quite early but just depends where he dives and uh, here look I just didn't lift it enough did I so then he's a big keeper and I knew his legs were going to be there I just didn't lift it enough and that's just the way it is um, so just have to take it on the chin. But you know, we still create a lot of chances after that to try, keep going to try and, you know, get something out of the game. I suppose. And uh, here, if my penalty goes in, you know, I, th- I felt that they were going at that stage, and it could have been a different story. But just have to take it on the chin.
3: Yeah, you were hit quite a lot of tackles, and a couple of times maybe their defenders could have been booked and stuff. So it's a level where defenders want to smash you, maybe more in the league where you're bigger and stronger than centre backs. Here, you were you were on the end of some some rough treatment at times in, in both legs.
4: Yeah, you know, but I think that's the best I've played in a long, long time. I felt very good out there tonight, and um, you know, from for personally for myself, there's a lot of positives for me to take out of that because I felt that's my best performance in a long, long time. So, you know, yeah, there's there's tougher tackles going in, the the tempo's a lot higher, so
3: it's just the way it is. I just I just get on with it, and you know, I kind of relish it to be honest. And just lastly, Finn Harps in the league on Friday. I think the league cup semi-final might be midweek next week against both because you're out of Europe and you have a seven-point lead in the league with. I think it's 11 or 12 games left to play, a game in hand, and you've also got the FAI Cup to come in a way game against Derry. so you've got to pick yourselves up on a big domestic few months ahead with a treble on the line.
4: Yeah, definitely, you know, there's a, there's, um, there's a lot of games coming ticking fast, so we're going to have to make sure we're ready as a squad. Um, you know, if we keep pulling in performances like we did tonight, we shouldn't be too far away, uh, but, you know, concentration now is fully on Finn Harps um, to try and get three points
3: and, you know, keep the league ticking over, and hopefully, you know, we can retain that. Patrick, thanks for being the Cheers, thank you. Yeah, that's the voice of the Dock striker Patrick Huben and before him his head coach Vinnie Pert speaking to us on the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast at Tallaght Stadium last night after their 3-1 defeat on the night 4-1 on aggregate to Slovan Bratislava as they exit the UEFA Europa League at the third qualifying round stage. Now we're still going to hear from John Gill and Sean Gannon in just a minute but I spotted one of our League of Ireland and Off the Ball pundits Shane Keegan in Tallaght last night. He was just watching the game but of course we needed some reaction to it so I dragged him into like a storage cupboard under Tallaght Stadium because it was so loud the PA system was still on, so you couldn't actually hear us talking. So we went inside to some uh, very glamorous makeshift studio, and here's how we get on. So with our regular League of Ireland pundit Shane Keegan, former Wexford and Galway manager here, we're uh, in the bells of Tallis Stadium after Dundalk's three-one defeat tonight and four-one in aggregate to Slovan Bratislava. So our Dundalk dream is over, Shane, and all the Irish clubs are out of Europe.
5: Yeah, it's a pity. It's a pity because it does obviously it gives a a, a different kind of element to it. Um, when the clubs are in it, and uh, I think everybody kind of gets behind them, and it's a, it's very very enjoyable. You'd l- really really like to have seen kind of one of them go a little bit further, but um, look, they come up against a really good side tonight, that's for sure.
3: Yeah, the match tonight, two down at half time. Slovan kind of sat in at the halfway line, wanted to play in the counter attack. That's where both of their goals came from, and we knew if Dundalk conceded, they needed to get three, then they needed four, and it was just an uphill battle from
5: then. Yeah, they were as you said. They were sitting off like the 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 distance between the two banks of four was like minimal, absolutely minimal. It really, really was. The the nine was dropping back in beside the ten, and Shieldsy had to go the other side of the two forwards to try and find any space because they were playing so deep. And then really in that first half, you only had. I I just thought you had Shieldsy in the two centre halves, and then you had everybody up kind of in the final third and really sean murray was the only one who was playing in between the lines and they maybe needed one or two more bodies in there i think like well i don't think there's any think about it uh, i mean anybody the management will have to say that they were a lot more happy with the second half team than the first and they'll probably be kicking themselves a little bit you know Having been in their shoes, sometimes you make a couple of changes at half time and then the second half goes so much better for you, and you put you still under the losing and you're driving home in the car and you're just saying to yourself, oh, you know, because it was probably a marginal call. You know, they were thinking, do we go with, with, with Fats or, or do we not? And, you know, you make a marginal call thinking you're making the right decision and then you change it at half time and it's plan B that works out for you and you're thinking, what could have been if, if plan B had been plan A? But, you know, it's easy to find these things out as the game goes along, isn't
3: it? Yeah, Fats, of course, it's Patrick McLean you come on at half time and made a difference the second goal particularly both goals in the first half disappointing the second goal Andy Boyle and, and Rogers, kind of waiting for each other the, the striker gets in just clips it over and once it went to 2-0 no matter what Dundalk did they were never really going to get through
5: yeah and, and like that's a really surprising goal for Dundalk to concede because I thought in the league at the moment they look so sound <laughs> defensively so so sound um, but that was sloppy sloppy I mean from the moment it left the, 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 the attacking players foot you can practically hear the whole stand say, "Deal with it, deal with it, deal with it." You know, they just looked like nobody was 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 willing to fully deal with it. Um, and they'll be kicking them. They'll definitely be kicking themselves over over that goal. But look, I think the most important thing is, given the current situation in the league, given that they've got a really tough FAI Cup game coming up they were able to walk off the field with their heads held high. They were applauded off the field. If they'd been really, really poor tonight and you know, if they were walking off to a half empty stadium and all that, then you could get leave it with a bad taste in the mountain. That could have a hangover. But as it is, I think they'll still be, look, they'll be disappointed. Of course they'll be disappointed to go out. Um, but I think they will still kind of have that confidence about themselves and rightly so home to Dundalk or sorry, home to Finn Harms on Friday night. It's a decent game to get, to come to bounce back from as well, I suppose. And, uh, like it's hard to see a major hangover that'll that'll cause them any problems.
3: Just the last one on this game for those who weren't here in the second half. And Doc were much better. Fantastic play by Dane Massey down the left. Really good skill. Sets up Duffy. Used the wet pitch to, to smash the ball in. Then a couple minutes later, Win a Peno. Hubin's Peno was saved. Had that gone in, it would have been two-two on the night. And you're going really have a goal for now. To six minutes injury time at the end, you're going. It would have made things nervy for the opposition. But unfortunately, the goal went in. The Peno was missed, and, and that was chance over
5: yeah yeah absolutely and uh, like uh, i think what was it 77 minutes on the clock when the penalty was taken you know it could have made for a nervous you get another one in the next five minutes and all of a sudden the whole place is is going mental um yeah look they, they look there's no getting away from it they were so much better in the second half i thought they were so much better down both flanks um i'd say i kind of commented to the lads sitting around me i, I, I think uh, fats had given had given duffy more ball in the first 15 minutes of the first half than he'd got or in the second half than he'd gotten the whole of the first half he was applying them end this ball and and then he had then going around the outside and obviously they shuffled it around a little bit down the right as well with jamie going out there but wandering from there and 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 um, mountainy coming inside which meant sean was i mean sean was bombing up and down the right in the second half he was he was really really excellent but no look i think they'll they'll, they'll have to be they'll have to be happy with how they equip themselves i think their whole tonight was an example of their whole european cam- pa- campaign which has been that the performances have been a lot better than the results which, you know, there's pros and cons for that. Obviously, more cons than pros. But you look at the results, and on paper, you're thinking it's been a disappointing campaign. The performances have actually been very, very good. They just haven't, you know, taken the chances when they've arrived, and obviously getting caught with a couple of sloppy goals. And just lastly, they return to domestic action. They play Finn Harps in the league on Friday. They've got a
3: seven point lead with a game in hand on Rovers. They were run away to Derry in the FAI Cup. They've got Bowes in the EA Sports Cup semi final, which I think could now be midweek next week due to their exit from Europe. So they've got so much more to go. There's a domestic treble possibly on for them, and they're going to have to pick themselves open really go again
5: yeah and I think they will I don't think they'll have any issue picking themselves back up at all at all Um, like uh, Stephen Bradley was just sitting a couple of seats down for me there tonight I mean the problem that they've got is they could win every game from now to the end of the season Jamie, and still finish five points behind the league leaders so they could i don't know if there's enough teams in the division capable of taking points off dundalk to help rovers close that gap um and look i'd be i'd be majorly surprised if they don't bounce back with a win on friday i think the big i think the the big one is going to be that 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 derry game in the fai cup i think that's a that's a tasty one derry are playing well parkhouse is absolutely on fire um i would imagine derry will be looking for a copy of the video from tonight's game and you'd be looking at saying right how do we go about sitting setting up as similarly as as possible to the way to the way they set up tonight because they had it off to a tee the way they went about things whether Derry have the same uh tools at their disposal to try and put in a similar performance I don't know but it's definitely a good template to try and play against Dundalk With Shane thank you for being in safe home no problem so with Dundalk first team coach John Gale John you're tossing that tonight
6: disappointing Jamie we're bitterly disappointed we feel we've left it behind us um gave away, unlike us, gave away some poor goals tonight defensively, which is not like us. We've been very, very solid all year, domestically and in Europe. Um, and it was probably the other area, other area of the pitch that we needed to maybe improve on, which I thought we did tonight. I thought offensively, we looked more, to, more like ourselves, created numerous chances. Their goalkeeper has a worldly, as he did over there. But if you give away cheap goals like that, at this level, at probably any level, you're going to be punished. And we paid the price for that.
3: Is that, you know, an open quality on the opposition point of view in terms of the goals you can conceded or mistakes? Because, you know, even the second goal, Andy Boyle and Gary Rogers you wouldn't expect players like that to do that.
6: No, I've never seen him do it before. I mean, Boyle is so comfortable usually like that. And Gary. Gary's had a magnificent, both of them have had a magnificent European campaign. We've been very, very solid in Europe, Jamie. The first two games against Riga, well documented, it was a tactical game. The game at home against Carabaug, they had a couple of chances, but again, we were solid one all. Over there, 15 minutes ago we're still in the game. Um, last week we were very good defensively as well. Copped up a couple of chances but tonight we were just we were just off a bit and you can't give Christmas presents like that. Um, it's unlike us. But we'll dust ourselves down. We will uh, we, we'll come in tomorrow recover and saying that we scored a penalty twenty minutes ago, squeaky bum time, you don't know what's gonna happen. I mean Pats Pats were three nil down against them I think in nineteen ninety four. He said that at half time. So, you know, um We'll we, 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 we dust ourselves down, we still, we're still in three domestic competitions, semi-final next Monday, we have a massive league game on Friday, and um, we have a cup game next week, so you know, we're, it's not all doom and gloom, still an awful lot to play for. Yeah,
3: because I was going to ask, there was a great debate the weekend about what happened in the Dubs restaurant at half-time, they were losing in the semi-final and what was said, and second half performance was so much better, it was the same tonight and you know, I'm sure you guys had to pick the players up because they knew they needed four goals.
6: Yeah, um, they did, but they rose to the challenge. In fairness, and I thought the two changes worked as well tactically. We, we went to a kind of a, a different shape, and it definitely did work. We we caused some more problems. I thought we were we had them. Now it's easy to play when you're two. You know, if you when you're down in a game, it's probably easy to play at times. But we, do, we what we did say at the time was let's go out and win the second half and see that see where that takes us. Um, again, I go back to big moments in games. You give away like mistakes we made, give away the goals we gave away. Penalty goes in it's an interesting tide and you never know what's going to happen. We saw, I was at Danny Mount last Friday, football's a funny game, doesn't go in straight lines. We learn a lot from it, we'll dust ourselves down, it's been a really grueling European campaign from the point of view of travelling, but it's, it's been a very enlightening one from the from the point of view of learning. Players will learn, we'll dust ourselves down and try and go on domestically and try and do something really, really special domestically.
3: And John. Lastly, on that, there's three trophies to play for, a seven-point lead in the league. with, I think 12 or 13 games left, and a game in hand. You've got FAI Cup against Derry Way. I think the League Cup game of Bowes might be next week in the semi-final. Someone make, someone so it's, you've, you've got to get them going against straight and it's a big squad too to help
6: you. Yeah, listen, it is a big squad, and it's a very, it's a, it's a very professional squad. I don't need to be any problem getting this guy, getting this, getting these guys uh, up for the up for the games ahead. It's good competition, and, and, we, and, and we can make changes without, and rotate. We've done that all season. John, thanks for being a up. Thanks, Jamie.
3: So with have Sean, Gannon, Sean. What are your overriding feelings after that? What type of words would you use to describe how, how you're all feeling? Uh, obviously
7: disappointment in the dressing room right now. Um, Tony, it's it's just after the game, thought it was a strange game. It started really well, you know, created created a lot of chances and forced goal. Probably were a bit stretched, counter attack, kind of scrambling back and a bit open. And yeah, it's just one of those things where it sets us back a little bit. But um, then. Made life a little bit harder for us, but I thought we still played well on the night. I thought second half, especially, we created a lot of chances. I thought their keeper has pulled off any amount of saves, so uh, it's a bit of a strange game. Obviously, disappointing that we're going out. Um, I think we had, a, we had a great chance last week in the last minute. The keepers pulled off another brilliant save, so um,
3: it just wasn't the be for us. When you're in the game and the first you know, part of the game, you can see that they're sitting off and they're trying to let you guys have the ball at the back are you worried about what's behind you because there are two goals two, of it, and the third one probably came for counter-attacks and you're wa- I'm watching the game the press box going I'm worried if some doc lose the ball that they've got half a pitch to, to race into
7: Yeah but that's you, you can't be you can't shy away from, from the ball do you know what I mean that's the way we play. we play we play open football we like to have it around the back and you know we play as a team we play open and I don't think the goals we conceded tonight I don't think we have a track record of conceding them like really like that so it's not something that you can Know, put it down to us being a bit open. I think we've just been done on the counter and uh you know, obviously the tour goal, we're chasing the game and sure you know, we've got a lot of players up the pitch but um, I think the, I don't think they really ripped us open or you know, I think we, when we were in a good shape I don't think they kinda I think we had the majority of the chances to be honest. Um they obviously listen they're good players and they're a good team so they're gonna have chances but I think we thought we acquitted ourselves well bit be- much better in the second half um coming out. You know, we wanted to. We, we always believed that we had a chance of getting back in the game. And obviously, Michael was
3: Michael was excellent tonight. And he, you know, he got a great goal and probably could have had a few more on the night. Yeah, I suppose what, what I kind of meant there was there was a great clip during the week of uh, Man City with Pep Guardiola and how even they were attacking, they were aware that if they did lose the ball, they might have to, you know, defend quickly. And I'm not saying knock it on the ball, but that it's, if you're an attacking fullback, are you a little bit worried about going forward in case the move breaks down, getting back, or is it a case of you know play your normal game, even though the opposition might be so good on the counter? Yeah, well, I think. Obviously,
7: the staff here want want us to like, play our brand of football. They want us to be, you know, expansive and and, and get forward. Obviously, we're defenders first and foremost. You're always concerned about conceding, um, but it's uh, that's part and parcel of playing in this team. You need to you need to contribute in defence and attack. But um, it's just the way we play. We play open football and. obviously at this level you have to be so concentrated you know you have to be so switched on at all times because as you see you know it's we're on the attack and then bang it's in the back of the net
3: and it's just one of those things that's happened to us to me. Since 2016 when you made the group stages has there been an up in the quality of the teams you've played or have you felt that it it has been more difficult in the games to get to where you want to go because there's an expectation on Dundalk now because you've done so well in recent years to make it to the group stages and we know how difficult you know how difficult that is.
7: It is difficult, but that's where that's the club's ambition. That's what the club want to do. The club want to qualify for the group stages. You know, that's that's it. It's obviously it is it is hard. It is tough, but it's um you're obviously going up levels in Europe every year. Obviously, there's an extra qualifying round now as well. So it is it is hard, but um we need to. You, you, we need to back ourselves in Europe. We need. To, we understand it's difficult. We understand that it's a. It it is a task that's not hap, doesn't happen every year.
3: But you know, if you if you don't aspire it to be too qualifying for group stages, what's the point? You know. And back to league action now, Sean. Finally, you've got a busy few months ahead with the league to go. Seven ahead with a game in hand. I think 13 games left. League cup on Monday against Bowes in a semi-final and a tough FAI Cup game away to Derry. So no chance to feel sorry for yourselves. I'm sure. No, definitely not. Um, we spoke in the dressing room there. About being
7: positive going into going into the domestic football, there's a lot of football still to be played. Yeah, where we're on top at the moment, but um, it's going to be games pencilled in all over the shop. And you know the lead that we have, you know nobody's nobody's resting on on our laurels. Like where we need we need to we need to keep playing well because we're always a good team. They're going to be there right till the end. So, but we need to make sure that come
3: Friday playing against a team who's in a lot you know really good form. And we need to be ready for them. Sean, thanks for being a bit yeah, that's Dundalk defender Sean Gannon, and before him, the first team coach John Gill. You also heard from Shane Keegan, Patrick Cooban, and Vinnie Perth. And I must say as well, a huge thanks to everybody at Dundalk, the media team, and all of the players and staff. They've been so good with their time in recent weeks. It's been a, such a busy period for them. And yes, you do expect footballers and football managers to do interviews and stuff, but they've taken calls in airports and hotels and buses. And, you know, Vinnie Perth spoke to me last night, like after 11 p.m., when he just wanted to get home, I'm sure, and, you know, took 10 minutes of his time to, to have a chat. So we really appreciate them uh, giving us their time here on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast Low still to play for Dock as well they're 7 points clear at the top of the SSE or Trissie League Premier Division they've played 25 matches Shamrock Rovers have played 26 of course it's a 36 game season so not too long left to go and a big lead for Dock. they've also got a League Cup semi-final against Bohemians which is going to take place in Oriel Park on Monday of next week and also, of course, the F.A.I. Cup to go to their way to Derry City, and that's still lost to play for Dundalk, and it's a shame that Irish interest, at least League of Ireland interest, is uh, over in Europe. Of course, Wexford Youths, ladies out, and also Dundalk, but Linfield are still in, and best of luck to them in the playoff round as well. So uh, that's it for Dundalk on the League of Ireland podcast for this week.
2: Off the balls, League of Ireland podcast.
3: Now Dundalk's European dream is over, and so was Wexford Youths. They were knocked out of the UEFA Women's Champions League qualifiers having won two of their three group games in Lithuania they finished their campaign with a 7-2 win yesterday over Maltese side Burkakara. the hat-trick from captain Kylie Murphy and goals from Rihanna Jarrett McKenna Davidson Edel Kennedy and Kira Rossiter that was a 7-2 win that followed Saturday's 2-1 victory over a group host Lithuanian side Jintra but Wexford won't go through as only the top team in this group will qualify and they were beaten on the opening day by Albanian side Valesnia so that means that they won't go through having finished second in the group but an unbelievable uh, couple of weeks for Wexford, and I'm joined now on the Line by their manager Tom Elms, who's at the airport in Lithuania before they fly back to Ireland. Tom, thanks for taking the time to have a chat with us. I suppose first, just your reaction to the games the week, and um, you know, explain to people the difference between, like, the Champions League qualifiers, that, that for example Dundalk played in, where it's knockout, but for you guys, it's it's a group stage, and unfortunately, second, just not good enough.
1: Yeah, so obviously it's it's done in a, a group format with the the four teams traveling to one of the host countries. Um, and then over the course of like the 9 days uh, you play each of the teams so we were we played the um, second seed team first which was the the Albanian team uh Vlasnia um, and obviously you know uh, we, we were disappointed with the final result in that game but you know our overall performance was, was really um really positive and and we knew that if we could continue with that we'd you know we we'd uh, we do well in the competition um, so then obviously with a 2 day break in between we played the first seed uh, Gintra the, the host uh, club from Lithuania um, and we, you know we, again the performance against ours was absolutely outstanding and uh, we beat them 2-1 on the night there which is an absolute fantastic result for us um, obviously with that with that scoreline at 2-1 we knew um, we weren't going to um, progress through um, so we went into the final game then just really kind of playing for that little bit of pride and uh, just to push ourselves as, as best as we could and we played Berkacar and, and uh, yesterday and finished off with a, a really, um, you know, highlighted performance. There we, we beat them seven-two, and um, it was well deserved. We played some excellent football. So there's a lot we can take take home from this competition. It's been a fantastic uh, experience for all of us, um, and obviously, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to take part in it last year. Uh, it was my first year involved, and it was a real eye-opener. Um, and I just felt last year we, we just kind of um, participated in the competition and. You know, coming into it this year, we wanted to make sure we competed, and we, we've really done that. Um, obviously, we'll look back at that first game and know we should have done better in it. Um, but look, that's football. Um, so look, there's loads of positive we can bring home back into you know back into the the, the uh, domestic league.
3: Yeah, so Wexford knew going into yesterday's final game, that even had they won, they did win by seven goals to two. They weren't going to finish top and they weren't going to qualify. So Tom, how disappointed are you that you know things didn't go your way in that first game given the last two games went so well
1: it is disappointing um it it was a tough that 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 first fixture was tough to take because we knew how well we played and sometimes it's difficult to explain that to people where you've you've really gone out and and dominated the game and played really well um and and come out on on the wrong end of, of the result but um for those that's in the stream and 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 uh you know and we we'll keep an eye on the social media could, could see that you know we did play very well and we probably did deserve a little bit more from it but then you know you know when you look at it a little bit closer you know we should have took more from from the chances we had um and then obviously you can just see that you know vlas have been very clinical when they did they had they had uh, four four shots uh, a goal and, and scored three and you know one was kind of bundled over the line and, and things like that but like I said before, that that's football that happens. Uh, we're not the first team to go out and, and and that happened too. So we just have to take that on the chin. Um, but again, um, you know the overall performances in all the games, and and, and we said we wanted to come here and, and compete, not just take part. We wanted to come and compete. Um, and look, we we take all the, the positives from it, and coming here and, and finishing second when we, you know, if if you know coming into it would have would have you know have been happy with that. Um, but the fact that we've seen how you know we, we have come and competed um, we feel we're a little bit unfortunate not to be progressing and um, it's definitely something we can we can build on going forward I think.
3: Now Tom, managing in the Champions League in a place like Lithuania is something probably you never thought you'd do when you were you know, starting to take up football coaching and I'm sure a lot of the girls as well never thought they'd, they'd make it to the level of the Champions League and also to, to play in a place like Lithuania the two stadiums look lovely I know you guys got some time to, to spend some time out and about looking at the city and the town as well and um, i suppose supposed to be able to go across for nine or ten days and play at the top level of, of women's football in Europe, in a place like Lithuania was a really good experience. Explain to us exactly what that was like, and maybe a little bits away from the football as well.
1: Yeah, to be honest, um, like Lithuania wouldn't have really been on the, the destination list, but um, you know we, we stayed in Canals, and an absolute fabulous city, um, lots of history, and you know we had two day breaks in between matches so between getting our analysis done and uh, prep and training it was nice getting to the, out into the city we, we visited the old town and things like that. and it's it's one of those places like you said you, you never really would have thought to come but um absolutely fa- I know, fabulous place the the venues the two uh, match venues were were amazing i don't know for people watching on the live stream the pitches were in excellent condition and um, both with stadiums the, the pl- uh, played in maypole last night six thousand seat stadium um, it's absolutely, you know, fantastic. It's all part of the experience, really. Um, but yeah, again, um, you know, you, you're with each other uh, an awful lot of the time, which we wouldn't be used to. We used to obviously, you, you turn up early for training, you get there, you train, you finish up, you get a bit of food, and you, you're home, um, and you're away from the group. Um, so being around each other, it's it's important then of how we manage that. And how you know you manage how we manage ourselves the staff and communicate that with the players and make sure that we're getting that balance between getting the right you know, you know recovery and, and a break from things and these players aren't used to a full-time environment. Um, so it can be a little bit different coming into an environment like this when you're away on top of each other. Um, but look you know the players have been absolutely fantastic. Um, You know, we couldn't have asked for anything more the way they've carried themselves and uh, the professionalism that they've shown while we've been away. So, yeah, I'm really, really impressed and and, and happy with with, with how they've conducted themselves.
3: Now, Tom, the difference in standard on the pitch, definitely not much. Clearly, you won both of the games. So in that case, you actually performed better than the other teams too. But... You know, if you look at where Wexford youths are and where the Women's National League is in terms of resources and professionalism and, and, you know, the lack of a full-time aspect to it in comparison to some of the teams that you would have faced this year and last year and so on. Tell me a little about that and, you know, I'm sure maybe you're even a little jealous of the facilities and and the, the resources available to some of the other coaches but I know you guys in Wexford are doing your very best to make things as good as possible for your players.
1: It's a big challenge. Um, you know, we get to speak to the clubs while we're away so even you know vlasnia they've they've six full-time international players that um know the accommodation and and food and travel is all paid for they looked after full-time um and you know the four american players who again are put up in hotels food travel everything's all sorted for them and um you know they've got that little bit of a a professional setup around them. they're training four to five times a week and the same with uh gintra you know they're bringing in players from from overseas and again that they're in a full-time environment maybe around education as well but um we look at ourselves then and, and and some of the clubs couldn't get their breath when when we tell them that you know the girls we, we train as a group two nights a week um and, and that's down to a number of you know factors with uh the travel some of the girls are more than an hour away um obviously we just we have to open our net up uh, as to the players we bring in um and then obviously cost as well the cost of the training oh. venues it's we we we'd struggle to, to afford that third night. It's it's crazy. Um, so again, what we do and, and I, coming away from the competition last year, for me I knew that if you know, if we continued the way we were going, we wouldn't be able to come here and compete. Um, so we did have to make changes and I have to say the players really bought into it and they've all been working off their own programmes. That pre season programme was, was a lot more, you know, a lot tougher on them this year in terms of their, their overall conditioning. Um, and they've all, they've all Uh, improved in that area and it's been fantastic Um, but even our training how we train and and, you know we've changed that and but it's great you you need to bring people in and and we've got you know we've got a strength and conditioning coach um, the physios there two nights a week two goalkeeping coaches assistant coaches and and even that, that that allows me to kind of step back as well and I can you know uh, rather than having to take the whole session, I can you know, do things with players and talk to players and cause obviously the time we get with them, we don't get that, that much. So it's important then during sessions that you do take that time to, to talk to players about different things. So the more staff we have, the better. And we're over here now, we've got, um, you know, our media officer from the club has come with us. Uh, Doctor has come out with us. Uh, a number of members have just come out just with the kit, the kit man. And there's two or three of the, the guys that have come and... They just have everything prepared for us. So we've tried to create the most fresh environment that we can uh, for all the players. Um, and I think if they can see that that's what we're trying to do, um, it means that they need to step up as well, and, and they absolutely have. Um, so again, look, it, it's good. It's, they're eye-openers. Um, I think as a club uh, and as a league, there's so much more we can we can do, um, but it, it is growing. You can definitely see how, how it's grown in, in Ireland over the last couple of years. Um, but we've also shown how close we are at the minute um, and that extra little bit. Um, I think the quality of the players has, has really improved over here and for us to go out and compete um, with the amount of you know resources that we do currently have uh, is an absolute credit to them.
3: And Tom, just lastly, with the Women's World Cup being such a massive success in the summer and you know probably got the most publicity for women's football ever, and we have Michelle O'Neill, the Irish assistant referee. She was assistant referee at that World Cup, was on the final and is going to be the assistant tonight on Wednesday in the Super Cup game between Chelsea and Liverpool, the first ever women's refereeing team to referee a men's professional match I suppose that just shows exactly where the women's game is going where do you see it and where do you feel it is at the moment and where it needs to go and there's been a debate you know, recently about the future of the Men's League of Ireland and a possible link up with the Northern Irish Premiership but not too much comment or focus on the Women's National League and, and the women's team so what have you made of all of that and exactly where do you feel things are at at the moment
1: I think I think the women's game here has like I said before that it's, it has vastly improved over the last couple of years Um but i think when you when you look at, at the foot maybe the four semi-finalists of the women's world cup and you know it, it's it's really noticeable the you know the, the condition of those players um and you can just see that the level of football that they're getting week in week out you can see they're coming from a full-time professional environments um and that that's a huge benefit you know benefit for for anybody and we've players here that we're trying to help them get that environment. Why well, it would help them to try and get their own strength and conditioning coaches, but they're going to them, you know, in the morning before work, and then I'll go and do a full day's work, and then they'll be looking to come train with us. And you're trying to balance like a full-time environment with a full-time job, and you don't get that recovery, you don't get that just that free time, um, and it is it's difficult. But I think um, there's a quite a strong. Uh, represent, uh, representation of the Women's um, National League in the last uh, squad that went out to play in the Rose Bowl uh, against the US, and um, I think that's fantastic to see. I think we've got, we have got some great players here. Um, we do look, we do need to be mindful of 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 what we actually can do over a short period of time with the Women's National League, but there is, has been a good investment, um, you know, from the FAI and, and and even the media and stuff, and it's growing that way. So. I think we, that needs to continue first and foremost. Um, but I think you know more financial backing that the clubs get, um, more support they get then from the from the league, and more support they get then from the media. Um, I'm sure it will continue to grow. And you know there there is some fantastic players. The women's under you know under 17 um, national league is is very strong. Um, you're looking at the the squad that's just gone out with James Scott now uh, against Belgium, and I, look, I know they handed out a number of caps for some players, and they're missing a few. But there's there's a good squad there. There's a competitive squad there, and I just think going forward, we need to try and, and create environments where um, they they can be full time. And whether that's whether you know we look down the route of um, third level um, and look how we can link in there a little bit better, uh, is one option, but. Um, it is. It's good. I, you know, you see a lot of players now going, moving, going overseas to play, and they have to do that. They have to go and get get that full-time um, training, and, and you can see the difference in them um, when they come back, and you can see that, that you know the benefits of that. Um, and, and and ideally, in the in the long run, we want to see the players staying here, staying in our league, and growing our league. Um, but until we can offer that they're going to keep looking to, to move away when they can so um, I think yeah the better the, you know we need to look forward and, and see can we do that that's the the main thing and I think we'll see the benefits of it the next couple of years has uh, been a massive push around it and the support is, is absolutely fantastic
3: Yeah that is the voice of the Wexford youths manager Tom Elms and Tom Than as always for your time Wexford back to the league action this weekend they're at home to Galway Women's FC and that game is taking place on Saturday Also on Saturday It's Shells against DLR Waves That's uh, two of the better teams in the league And two games also on Sunday Limerick hosts P-Mount in Limerick Well, the Kenny United Women's Football Club Face Cork City And well done to Wexford For their exploits in the Champions League Unfortunately not to be this year But uh, some brilliant performances And to win two from three And not qualify Very, very unlucky
2: The best League of Ireland Podcast in the business This is Off The Ball
3: Now the second round draw for the extra FAI Cup Was made at FAI HQ during the week Ties to be played at the week ending August 25th Now Longford Town added themselves into the hat After a 3-1 win over Athlone last night Keelan Dillon put Athlone ahead before the break Before a double from Aaron Dobbs And one from Joe Manley Secured a win for Longford Town. So there into the draw, and they have been drawn Longford away to Bohemians in that round. The rest of the games, Glengad United against Waterford FC, it's Sligo Rovers against Limerick, UCD V St Pat's, Shamrock Rovers will host Drada. Now Rovers were knocked out by Drada in the first round in Drada last year, so that's an interesting tie. Tied around, no doubt, Derry City against Dundalk two of the top teams in the League of Ireland, and Derry in really good form. That's a tough game for Dundalk after Europe as well. It's Galway against Cork City, and two of the non league teams left, Crumlin United and Lucan United, one of those teams will make make their way into the next round, which will be a great achievement for them as well to uh, get through. So that's the FAI second round cup, uh, second round draw, should I say? Those ties and games will take place on the week ending August twenty fifth. We'd expect games to take place as in the last round on the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday, that's the twenty third, the twenty fourth, and the twenty fifth, which is the weekend after this coming weekend as well. Now we're back to league action this weekend as well, with the cup coming next weekend, and it's a crucial weekend in the league, really, in both the Premier Division and the First Division, and all the games going to take place as well now with no breaks because Europe is over for all the clubs. So all five games in the the Premier Division take place on Friday evening August 16th and they're all a quarter to eight as well it's Bowles against UCD in a Dublin Derby at Dalyman Park Derry City host Shamrock Rovers that's a top clash really you know the team's chasing Dundalk and chasing Europe as well Dundalk want to keep their lead at the top they host the informed Finn Harps it's St. Pats against Sligo Liam Buckley returning to uh, Richmond Park for the second time since leaving to take the job in Sligo. And it's Waterford against Cork. That game is at a quarter to eight in the RSC. In the first division it's getting tight at the top. But of course with just four games left to play. And Shelburne having lost in their last league outing as well. Will be really hopeful to try and pick up more points this weekend. The the last round of fixtures of course they were beaten 1-0 by Cove. So their lead at the top is five points. There's four games left. And they're going to have such... An interesting run-in. Because this weekend... On Saturday at half seven... The tie of the weekend... In the first division... The fixture of the weekend... Is Longford Town... Against Shells. Now if Longford win that game... They'd bring themselves... To two points behind Shells... With three games left. So it's... Shells on 50... Drada and Longford about on forty five, Cabinteely on forty three, and Bray now on thirty eight. So it looks as if Cabo may make the playoffs. The full round of fixtures for this weekend, and again, it's you're looking at teams towards the top trying to pick up more points. Bray against Cove seven forty five on Friday. At the same time, it's Cabinteely v Galway, Drada against Wexford, and Limerick against Atlone. So Bray, Cabo, and Drada all playing teams below them in the table. You'd expect them to pick up points in that crucial game on Saturday with Longford Town against Shelburne. Can't wait to be at City Conning Stadium to go and watch that one. Off the
0: Bulls League of
2: Ireland podcast.
3: Now, the word legend is often used and misused in sporting terms, but in the case of Michael Locker Davis, the word fits just perfectly. There's Michael on screen now. The legendary kit man, he's going to be rewarded for his great service to international football, the League of Ireland, and to football in the Borough of Dunleary and the surrounding areas for almost 40 years with a trio of testimonial games in Stradbrook, the home of Cabinthelia and Blackrock Rugby, on Sunday, 25th of August 2019. Coming up very shortly. First of all, at 2pm, a match for the Legends, the League of Ireland Legends against Locker's Legends. That will be followed at half-three with the Ladies' Borough Select against the Ladies' Legends. And the final game of the trio will see a League of Ireland Premier Select take on the Bray, T D Tech and Borough Select. That's at half-past four. The evening will be topped off with a special evening of music and entertainment in the Noggin Inn from 8pm until late. Now Locker is very sick in hospital and he's been in hospital for the last few weeks. And He's a well-known and respected character around football in League of Ireland circles and international circles as well. He's served the game all the way since the 1970s and great smile as well and that image on screen uh, working most recently this season uh, with Cabin as well. He's worked with the Irish international teams, the League of Ireland representative teams and has served in local clubs St. Joseph's Boys, Tech United, Bray Wanderers and most recently Cabin as well. The football community in Ireland and in the Borough are uh, getting behind locker at this time and support would be greatly appreciated those games taking place over there in Stradbrook on Sunday the 25th of August 2019 and they're going to hold a special media day on Monday coming up I'll be there to speak to legends from all the clubs to hear all about Locker and what a legend that he is as well if you can make it down you can uh, do so and also there's a GoFundMe page set up just type in Michael Locker Davis onto uh, Google or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever you need to to find it you can donate a few quid uh, which will go towards Locker's family and hopefully he gets well really soon
0: off the Ball's
2: League of
3: Ireland podcast. Hey, it's Jamie Moore here. You're on the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast with you on OffTheBall.com every Wednesday. And also lots of our chats done on video. You can watch them all on YouTube.com forward slash OffTheBall. I'm very happy to welcome Sligo Rovers and Ireland Underage International player Niall Moore to the show who joins us on Skype on his day off. Niall, good afternoon. How are you?
2: Not too bad. Thanks for having me.
3: No, thanks for having a chat with us just back from the European Championships as well in Armenia and in the middle of a League of Ireland season and also about to go back to college in Sligo IT he signed a new contract with Sligo Rovers and he's going to become the first recipient of the new IT Sligo sports scholarship program with Sligo Rovers he's not under under, 20, under 19 international should I say and he signed a deal until the end of the 2021 season will be undertaking a degree in business and as part of the agreement two scholarships are co-funded annually by IT Sligo and Sligo Rovers and Niall is the first of those to receive one of those there he is signing the contract uh, with the manager Lee Buckley. So Niall, Liam has spoken when he was at St. Pats, they have a link up with Minut and he was very heavily involved in lots of players, the likes of Dara Markey and, and others currently in the first team who who would have had scholarships in Pats and Minut and, and have gone on to better things and he's now starting it off again at Sligo.
2: Yeah, he has. Yeah, um, He's mentioned that he had the link up in Pats and uh, I think it's the best thing for the club and college and Sligo town really, to have young, good young players coming up through the club and Having a place for them to study.
3: Finish your leaving Sir, You got your course. You, you deferred. Were you always aware that this scholarship opportunity through Sligo was going to come?
2: Um, it was mentioned last year actually um, that it was in the works. So um, it wasn't until earlier this year that um, we we got to go ahead for it. Really. So um, it was really in my mind then.
3: As well, you know, from from your point of view, like lots of your of players your age you know, maybe aren't playing first-team football at the moment and are able to focus on, on playing underage football plus their college stuff, but for you, you've been in and around the Sligo first-team now, as we mentioned, you've been away with the Irish 19th to the Euros too, so how do, you, how do you think you'll find that balance of kind of, you know, the extra addition of college along with your football, even if football is now going to be in the evenings?
2: Yeah, listen, I think it will be tough. Um I'll try and live the college life to my fullest and I'll still be living the life of a professional footballer, you know, but I'll have to... It'll be hard work, I'll have to work on the balance and yeah, it's a challenge I'm looking forward to.
3: It's like, we're going to train in the evenings. Is that the, is that the whole first team or is it just some of the younger players are going to maybe train sometimes with the 19s or how is that going to work?
2: Uh, I think it's the, the whole first team, yeah. It's a complete change to the evening times so I'll uh, just have to wait and see how it goes.
3: Yeah, it's something I know about St. Pat's as well, for Liam's last couple of seasons, I think they trained at four o'clock in the afternoon to allow some players to work and those lads who were in college to be in college. And because there's a number of younger players at the club, Niall, I'm sure that's something that, that Liam feels he has to do in order to keep you guys being able to train full-time and, of course, pursue your education.
2: I think so, yeah. I think it, is, it would be the best thing for the club to have young fellas coming up and having the option for them to stay around, stay in Sligo and not having to go looking elsewhere for education and football.
3: Yeah, so explain to us about your course as well. You're going to be starting in September time to uh, study a degree in business. Why did you pick business?
2: Um, I would have always had an interest in business, actually, from school. So um, I think it's broad enough for the first few years, and then you can focus on a certain aspect of the course. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to, to, to get started up.
3: Yeah, and of course, on the pitch, now as well, you've had an interesting few weeks with Sligo. The league form has probably been up and down, it's fair to say, but uh, the FAI Cup on Friday, Glebe North nil Sligo Rovers 8, a very comprehensive win, a couple of hat-tricks in that game, I think for Chris Twardek and also for David Cawley too. What was that game like?
2: Um, I wasn't there, actually, as, a, as I picked up an injury. So, um, yeah, games like that, they are uh, no harm to build a bit of confidence and get lads scoring more goals. So, um yeah, you'd be, you'd be hoping you'd be winning them games and obviously we have Limerick in the next round, so hopefully we can do it again and get on to the following round.
3: What type of injured player takes the weekend off and doesn't go to cheer his team on, Noel? Come on, you should have been there with the lads. I know, yeah, bad form. him, but
2: maybe if it wasn't all the way up in Dublin, I would, have, I would have gone to it.
3: Of course, of course. And on the season overall, Noel, as well, you're a young player, you're only 19 and, you know, you've been in and around the first team since, you know... I suppose the start of the season too and you can play right back, you can also play in midfield and you've been away with the Irish 19s as well. How would you describe this season so far for you from a football centre with the club and also with the country?
2: Um, It's been a bit of a whirlwind actually. Um, So at the start of the year, if you told me I would have had about 17 appearances, I probably wouldn't have believed you, you know? So um, to be fair, I just got my chance and uh, I think I've done all right so far, Um, club level anyways. So uh, hopefully I can just kick on there and play, be playing week in, week out. And uh, on an international level, I'd never featured um, at any level up until this year, up until the qualifiers in Russia. So um, yeah, it was that was a great experience. And then getting selected for the European finals was, was a dream come true, really.
3: Yeah, and, you know, we had Brian Maher, Andy Lyons, and Rishi McEntee in studio before the European Championships too, and they were just speaking about, you know, what they expected from it, and Ireland performed really well in their media. Unfortunately, weren't able to, to make it, you know, to the semi-final, which would have been, you know, or sorry, I mean to the final, having, you know, got through the group and then lost. So I know you didn't feature in the games, but to being called up and, and you know, to, to experience that and to be there, and, and, you know, especially having not played for Ireland before, to, to have been in at the business end so late, how would you kind of think back and look back on all of that?
2: Um, yeah, I think it's a, an experience that can only benefit me. Really, it was an unbelievable experience, and I suppose I could have been at home on the couch watching it. So uh, it's far better to be there and uh, actually experiencing this. But yeah, it was, uh, to get to the semi-finals of a, a European competition is it's an unbelievable feat. So um, yeah, the memories that'll, that'll last a long time, really.
3: Yeah, and apart from the football as well, you guys went to an orphanage and some amazing photos of, of you know meeting the kids and the kids taking selfies and all that sort of stuff as well and I think one of the uh, coaches, Mark Scanlon, was taking the players on, on these mad runs around the, the, the hills of, of Armenia as well in, in the heath and away from the football pitch, you know, there, as, as a young fell 18, 19 years old, that must have been an unbelievable experience to go and see an orphanage like that and also be able to go on morning runs and, and, you know, we hear footballers all the time, they only get to see hotels but in fairness to the FAI, they did get you guys out and about to see see uh, a place like Armenia which you'll probably never go to again
2: yeah probably it's it's not a spot you'd really go to apart from the football really so um yeah going to like the likes of an orphanage it's it's not something you get to do very often so it's a uh, really thought-provoking you know to realize how lucky you are to be actually there and uh with the running yeah the running's a different story I suppose running in that heat it's uh it's tough but it's it's lovely to see the city and that part of the world.
3: And just lastly, you've had the experience of the Euros, you've had you know 17 or 18 games with the Sligo first team now as well and you're going to college but has the football in the last few months really given you a taste of, of what you want and I'm sure you're even more hungry now than ever to go and, and try and have a career as a professional footballer in this country and, and maybe further feel if that, that opportunity arises?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, being in and around the first team and international level you realise what level you need to be at and what you need to be doing to keep pushing on and keep getting better and I think these experiences will only benefit me and push me on as a player
3: Great stuff Noel thanks a million enjoy the rest of the week and uh, the best of luck going to college as well we'll see you soon cheers
2: Alright thanks for having me
3: Now some other news Cork City are delighted to announce details of a testimonial match for defender Alan Bennett now he joined City at U team level all the way back in 2000 made it the first team moved Reading in 2007 And returned in 2015 after 8 years in England with Southampton, Brentford, Wickham Wanderer, Cheltenham Town and AFC Wimbledon. He was capped twice for Ireland and in his time at Cork, wait for this, he won 2 league titles, 2 FAI Cups, 3 Presidents Cups and 3 Munster Senior Cups. This testimonial will take place at Turner's Cross on Saturday September 14th with a 3 o'clock kick off a Cork City Legends team against a team of current players. The likes of Dave Barry, Dave Hill, Declan sorry Damien Delaney should I say, Achille Campion, John O'Flynn, Liam Kearney, Dan Murray and more will play on the legends team and the current men's and women's squads will come together with the likes of Mark McNulty, Grode Marcy, Conor McCarthy, Marcus Sullivan, Keira McNamara, Maggie Duncliffe, Katie McCarthy, and Christina Dring just to name a few of those and a percentage of the monies raised from the game will be donated to the Samaritans in Cork with a contribution also going to the Cork City FC Academy where Bennett is part of the under 13 management team admission to the game is a tenor for adults a 5 for senior citizens and under 18s and family tickets for two adults and two kids are 20 euro tickets available from the club shop at Turner's Cross and also through Eventbrite Alan Bennett one of the nicest men in football and we are really looking forward to helping support his testimonial coming up in a few weeks time Now Sean Russell and the story involving Sean Russell continues to roll on and we're going to speak hopefully to Sean and his dad Martin Russell on the show next week. Now you'll remember Sean came on our League of Ireland podcast on the 8th of May which is a little while ago now to tell us that it's an outstanding amount of €4,150 being billed to him directly by the sports surgery clinic in Santry as his then club Limerick FC haven't paid for the operation. Sean is still out of standing expenses by the club he was given checks those checks bounced and they've still not cleared and he's also been getting his own physio. Now he does need a second operation to even begin his proper rehab and get back to playing and his career is really under threat at the moment and that operation also needs to be paid for by Limerick. Now Sean and his dad Martin have been in communication with the FAI and Limerick but there has been no resolution and I understand that Sean's dad Martin was told by the FAI that it's an issue between the club and the player and this operation, the first one, happened 14 weeks ago. It's a career-threatening injury and Sean is getting no help from anybody by himself at the moment. No help from Limerick and no help from the FAI. And we're just going to highlight this and continue to highlight it and push it on our League of Ireland podcast. Myself, along with all of uh, my colleagues in the football journalism world, will push until Sean gets what he deserves, which is that operation paid and also the second operation paid for as well. And a little disappointed in the sports surgery clinic as well. I know that they need their money, but they need to understand that the operation was booked by Limerick and that Sean is... A player of Limerick a player on the contract of Limerick and it should be them who are being chased for the money not Sean because Sean and his dad and his family just can't afford it and I know Sean's dad Martin is thinking of a GoFundMe page to try and help as well but again it's scandalous to think that a, a football player in the League of Ireland we're talking about where the League of Ireland can go and where it should go and where we want it to go and you're having this crap from Limerick that they won't pay for the operation and they won't engage with Sean and his dad and help him and it's just an absolute scandal and it's something that we're going to chase and continue to try and help Sean as we go along on our League of Ireland podcast
2: The best League of Ireland podcast in the business This is Off The Ball
3: So that's it for another week on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thank you very much for listening and to all of our guests. You'll hear more from all of them, from everybody from Dundalk. We heard from Vinnie Perth, John Gill, Sean Russell and Patrick Hooban, as well as Shane Keegan. We caught up with the Westford Youth women's manager, Tom Elms, and also Noel Moorham from Sligo. All those in the podcast section of OffTheBall.com. I'm going to see you next week, folks. Bye-bye.
0: Off The Ball's League of Ireland podcast.